just give God one more hand of praise for song over the past couple of years it's it's been a song that God has used to bring me through some very difficult times it's interesting how God uses music as salve for the wounds of our lives but also I, I like the song because um, God has so touched Joy she is Joy is 17 years old she's um she has dedicated her gifts and her talents to God. And it's very easy for a young teenager, at least in my community, to find young girls dancing on tables for dollar bills, showing their bodies on the streets um, on division. And, and yet, every now and then, God will just snatch a person out of the turmoil. And so I never want her or our young people to think that we take their gifts and talents that they dedicate to God for granted because we don't. We don't. There are so many young people today who have and will lose their lives because they're not connected to Christ. And so when we see something like that, I think it's important to to honor it and to bless it. So if you wouldn't mind one more time, I want to give Joy a hand. those of you who don't know me, I didn't do this earlier. Um, my name is Rick Stevenson. I have the pleasure of serving as a senior pastor at City Hope Ministries. I, I'm also an adjunct professor at Grand Valley State University where I teach African American studies and I'm finishing a PhD at MSU in African American and African studies where I'm focusing on um, the middle passage, slavery, and I, my expertise is um, sunken slave ships. I'm a certified scuba diver so I'm going around the world looking for ships that have sunk and trying to find them and write about them. So um, pray for me that I don't get eaten by, by sharks. I was telling a friend of mine that sharks don't like dark meat, so I got a pretty good chance of <laughs> getting away. You probably haven't noticed yet, but I, I'm a black preacher, and uh, <laughs> it's not evident. You know, but uh, and so I, I, I like you. I like it when people talk back to me. So. If you hear something that you like, it's okay to say amen. Preach, Pastor. Who said that? Yeah, amen. Uh, as a matter of fact, the more you talk, the shorter I'll be. Uh, but I want to. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Pastor Cool and the leadership here, the, the consistory, and all of the leaders, and you for inviting us to come and to share. We we've had a great time this morning. I love your technology. I love this place. I think I want to move in. So. Uh, see my truck parked outside. Don't get upset. I'm just, uh, but City Hope, if you're still here, would you mind staying? We, some of us are here this morning. Uh, yeah, God bless you. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, I want to talk to you today about love. Um, to all the fathers, happy Father's Day. Uh, to all the mothers who raise kids by themselves and plays both roles, happy Father's Day to you as well. Uh, I want to look at a passage that you're probably very familiar with, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll read the text. It's from the New Living Translation. It goes something like this. 
If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I wouldn't, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you and we thank you for your presence. But most of all, we thank you for the love that you have shown us through the sacrificial death of your son. We pray that we leave this place today better than we arrived, that you will challenge us, convict us, change us, and then charge us to love as you love us. We thank you for being a God who never gives up on us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a church that he has spent several years with, and, and one of the problems with the church was division. In chapter 1, he talks about the fact that there were those at Chloe's house who came, and they were concerned about those who were saying, I, I follow Paul, and some say, I follow Peter, and some say, I follow this. And, and Paul says, Christ divided. And so he begins to answer some of these questions. In chapter 2, he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, how some things cannot be discerned without the presence of the Spirit of God. Chapter 4 and chapter 5, he talks about a man who is married and having sex with his father's wife. Chapter 6, he talks about your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 7, he begins to answer questions. They say, so what am I supposed to do that I'm, that I'm married? Should I have sex with my wife, and can I stay married? He says, sure, sure you should. Sure you should. Then, then he deals with food that's sacrificed to idols. And in chapter 12, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. He talks about spiritual gifts and why we have them. And this church was filled. They had every single gift on the planet, but they didn't have love. And that's why he writes chapter 13. Because his argument is that though you are gifted and though you have these talents, if the motivation is not love, you're a clanging cymbal. You're just making a whole bunch of noise. And, and, I, I, and I asked a question to us today. How's your love life? Oftentimes when we hear the question love and love like that, there used to be a song, how's your love like in the song? No, some y'all too young, huh? I'm too old, all right, whatever. Back in the day there was this song that, it was, a, it was a commercial, and it said, how's your love life? And most often when we hear love, what we think of is sex or romance. When in fact, um, as we look at the Greek text, you'll discover that there are several words that are translated love. There are four different terms. One is the word eros, where we get our word erotic, it's a word that is more sensual, it has something to do with sex, not always, but most often, but it's more sensual than anything else. Then you have the word phileo, it comes from uh, a word that means brother. We get our word, our city, Philadelphia, the city I grew up in is Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And then there's the word stergo, which means it's a familial love, it's a love of a father to a child, a wife to a husband, it's family. Um, and then there's 
agape. It is the love that God has for you and I. It is a love that is unconditional. It's a love that says, I will love you whether you love me back. It's the kind of love that creates an environment of safety and protection. It's a, it's a, it's a word that means that you can be vulnerable in my presence. It's a word that says this, I love you enough to create an environment where you can be safe and protected and I give it to you and then I give you the right not to accept it. It's the kind of love that says, I lay my life before you, and I give you the option to accept it. And when you elect not to, I will still love you. Now, what's interesting about these, these four terms is eros and phileo and stergo, you and I can produce on our own. But agape can only be produced as God lives his love through us. Which means we have to be transparent and vulnerable to God. It means that we have to love things that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't come from our schools, that don't, their names don't end in a smile. <laughs> that was a joke, come on. Uh, it, it, means, it means that you love things that don't look like you, that don't feel like you, that have not grown up in your neighborhood, that speaks a different kind of language. Love never it never gives up. It never, it never says you'll never make it. True love says, I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that you become what God wants you to become. Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 13, he says, even if I have the ability to speak foreign languages and the languages of angels, and yet what motivates me is love, what, I, what, what God hears is a clanging cymbal. That true love is harmonious. True love is an instrument that unites. True love says, even if you drop the ball, I'm going to love you. It's the kind of love that a God who is father has for us. It's the kind of love as fathers are to have for their kids. It's the kind of love that kids and wives are to have for their husbands and their fathers. It says, Dad, you weren't here when I was growing up, but I love you anyway. It says, Dad, you didn't make it to the baseball games. You weren't at the recitals. As a matter of fact, you walked out. But you know what? Because God loves me, I will love you. That's, that's loving right there. And, 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 and the truth of the matter is, we oftentimes throw this word love around, and yet the question is, what do we really mean when we say that? And when we hear it, what do we expect? Because unless we use the scriptures as our foundation for how we understand the love of God, we're going to miss it. Love seeks the other person's good. Love says this, I want to make sure that your life, watch this, I want to make sure that your life is what God wants it to be, even if mine is not. We call ourselves Christians. And you know what's interesting about that is most people who don't come to church don't come to church because they're Christians. Because we say we have the love of God, and yet we're hypocritical. We're the only army that shoots his own wounded. We're the only group of people who receive the mercy and the grace of the love of God, understand it through the cross, and then when someone in our community or in our environment or even our family falls, we don't help them, we push them further down. 
and then we call it love. And yet, if we understand what the Bible talks about when it says that God loves us, it means there's not something that he does. It's not something that he learned. It's who he is. The very essence, the very depth of the character and the personality of God is his love. Everything God does for us is based on the fact that he loves us. The Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, while we were walking in the wrong direction, God loved us. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean that, um, that God did not wait for you and I to get our lives right before he began to love us. He didn't say, the moment you turn your life around and start walking the way I want you to do, I'll give you a no. He loved us even in the midst of our sin. While we were walking in the opposite direction, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, that God sent his son at the right time to die for sinners. While we were walking in the opposite direction, he still loved us. He still cared for us. That's the kind of love that we need in the body of Christ if we're going to change the world. It's so interesting that we come into a loving community and we love each other between 9 and 10.30 or 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock, and then after that, we don't even care. I mean, not at this church. I'm talking about other churches I've been to. That's a joke. Uh, But the point is that what ought to motivate our behavior is the fact that we've been given something we do not deserve. I mean, think about it. Imagine, imagine, imagine understanding the the internality of God. There is never a time in your life that God did not love you. While you were cheating on your taxes, well, not here, but God still loved you. When when you prayed for that new job and God gave it to you and you promised a tithe and you didn't, he still loved you. When, When you asked him, should this be my spouse, and he says no and you did it anyway, he still loved you. When we walk outside of the will and the reign of God, he still loves us. You know why? Because God loves eternal. You can't figure it out. There's no beginning. There is never a time when God does not love us. And in fact, if that be the case, and now that you and I have the Holy Spirit, then there ought to be a time when we ought not love others, even if we disagree with them. Because love is not about conditions. Love is not about me loving you when you do what I want you to do. Love says this. Even when you don't do what I want you to do, I love you. Even when you've broken my heart and you've slandered me, I still love you. I will not allow the circumstances to dictate my behavior. The love of God is eternal. It it is the kind of love that says in in Romans chapter 5 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And I, I think about that as, as she was, as Joy was dancing, and, and I was thinking about the song, and I, the, this morning it just got to me, I started weeping before the Lord, and I said, God, you know, there's so many times I have failed you. So many times I, I deserve for you to just cut me off, and you elected not to. 
And that's unfathomable. How do we understand the fact that we pray and we seek and we run after God, and then when it's time to do what God calls us to do, we go in the opposite direction. He still says, but you know what, my child? I still love you. And I loved you so much that, um, that um, I demonstrated my love by stretching my arms out wide and hanging on a cross and looking at the very creation I created, throwing stones at me and disobeying me and, and beating me and, and beating me so badly my face is just swollen and my head is bleeding, and yet I still love you. That's an amazing kind of love. And that's the kind of love, watch this, it's not only the kind of love that we have, but it's the kind of love we're capable of if we are willing to submit to the will and the ways of God. It's the kind of love that is egoless. Love conceals. Love does not talk about other people's shortcomings and failures. It's interesting, especially in relationships that end in divorce and so on, how some people say, well, I love them, and then now they slander and they defame and they drag your name through them. How can you do that if you really love that person? If you love them with the love of God, how can you tear them down? Did they make mistakes? Sure, maybe you made mistakes. And I wonder what would happen if God did to us what we do to others. I wonder, I wonder if God kept records in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that all that stuff wasn't discernment. That was just a warm-up. I'm getting ready to do the sermon now, so fasten your seatbelts. I'm only kidding. <laughs> Y'all were sitting here like, oh, I sure wish he'd go to sleep. Um, but, but God says this in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, I mean, chapter 13, love never keeps records. Love doesn't remember what you used to do or what you did before. I, my, mother, um, my mother was a historian when it came to beatings. I don't know if y'all thank your kids, but I grew up in a household where we had a woodshed. Uh, and, and, and mama didn't just spank me for what I did today. She said, and what you did last Sunday, and remember last week when you didn't put the trash out? One of those historical kind of whippings, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she had written all these notes down. But, but, but imagine what would happen if God did that, if he spanked us in, in historically. <gasps> I know, here's a good one. Imagine what would happen if God dealt with us based on what we thought. You know, in Psalm 139, the Bible says that he sees every thought before it reaches our mind. He knows our walking, our sitting, our getting. So imagine if your mind was on video, right? And you're driving down 131, and someone cuts you off, and those things, and God sees that. Come on, talk to me. You know. Imagine if God dealt with us based on the way we deal with each other. Because we do hold grudges, right? Wives hold grudges against husbands, kids. We, we do that. And, and, and yet, the Bible says that love doesn't do that. Not if it's really love. No, we don't, we don't hold records. Why? Because love is infinite. You can't measure it. The worse we get, the more he loves us. My God. The, 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 the further we fall away from him, the more he pours out his grace and his mercy and his long-suffering. And what's interesting is, again, it's, since we have the Holy Spirit, you and I have act, we can tap into that. 
The question is, are we willing to? Oh, no, we probably aren't because we would rather, we would rather stay in the group. We'd rather not be put out the club than to love the way God would have us to love. There's a passage, I'm going to show you in a minute, where, where God tells a man named Hosea to go marry a prostitute. And um, she's walking the streets at night. She, you can see her on Division and Wealthy. And she probably has a crack habit. She doesn't feed the kids. She doesn't wash clothes. Can't find her. Call home. She's not there. God says, marry her and love her. Because as you marry her and love her, it's a demonstration of how I have learned to love my people. Because the truth of the matter is we've, we've committed all kinds of adultery against God. We love our cars more than we love God. Some of us love more golf than we love God. I remember when I first came to, to Grand Rapids, um, uh, when I first started pastoring City Hope, it was a CRC church. I didn't know too much about being Dutch. Um, <laughs> and now I'm passing a CRC and RCA church, so I'm double Dutch. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and hunting season came around and I come to church and there's nobody there all the men are gone I'm like where are they they're hunting how are you going to how are you going to go how are you going to miss God to go hunting especially when you're in the tree praying to get a deer <laughs> doesn't make sense to me and I, and I just began to, fit, to wonder how do we commit adultery against God and he still loves us but we can't bless those who fall around us. It's fascinating to me. Gandhi says, um, I love Christianity, I just don't like Christians. You know, the average person who does not come to church doesn't come to church because they don't want God. They don't come to church because of us. Because we tend to be hypocritical. Because the love that we have is unconditional. It works well if you live in my neighborhood. It works well if you have my complexion. It works well if you went to my school, but it does not work too well if you come from the other side of the tracks. And yet, according to the word of God, love is kind. <laughs> it does not revel in injustice. The love of God is so deep that you can't get over it. So high you can't get, I mean, I, I'm, so deep you can't get under it, so high you can't get over it. So wide you can't get over it. Some of you may remember that song. Ain't no mountain higher than that. Yeah. How old are y'all? Good Lord, am I, am I preaching to babies? Uh, but, oh, I know what it is. Y'all don't listen to the same kind of music I listen to. That's what the problem. Forgive me, I forgot. <laughs> but the point is that when we think about the love of God, it cannot be measured. It is so powerful that it can take a drug addict and make him a preacher. It can take a prostitute and turn him into a missionary. It can take a crooked banker and a crooked lawyer. Well, maybe not lawyers. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> all the lawyers in the house, it's just a joke. Um, but, but the love of God can take the dregs of the earth. We, we, we sang a song earlier. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. I don't know if you know the author, but the author's name is John Newton. But before he became 
a Christian, he was the captain of a slave ship. His job was to take people from the west coast of Africa and bring them back to the U.S. and to Barbados. And he didn't care about them. They were nothing but property to him. 25 million Africans were taken from the west coast of Africa between 1650 and 1820. 25 million, 50% of them died in the war. As a matter of fact, there are studies that demonstrate that shark migration traits from West Africa to the U.S. changed because of slave ships. As they threw these Africans off board, whether they were dead or sick or just for the fact they wanted to squell um, uh, resurrections, the slaves began fodder for the sharks. And there are sharks and, 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 and species of shark that are now part of our hemisphere that began during the slave trade. And, and, and Luke gets saved and he writes the words to this song, Amazing Grace. The, the love of God has the ability to do that. And the question is, how's your love life? Do you, do you, do you really understand what it took for God to save you, to save me? Do you understand how expensive it was? Because if we, if we understand that, we can do nothing but love others as we love ourselves. The Bible says you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. The problem is most of us, many of us don't like ourselves. And so Paul admonishes us in verse 7. He says, and love never gives up. It never fails. It constantly figures out a way to do the right thing. And that's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is to think about the love that you've received from God and then figure out how God can express that love through you and the lives of the people around you, especially those that you would ordinarily converse with. That's a challenge. It's a challenge to love someone who doesn't like you. And yet, that's what we're called and created to do. Why? Because... There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, and therefore, there should be nothing that should separate you from the people that you say you love. That God loves you and I so much that even when we fall short, he has the capacity to draw us back into his presence. So what do we learn? That God, his, his, his very essence is love. It's not something that he does. It's not something that he read about. It's not something that he learned. That's who he is. His, his main motivation for all that God does is love. And therefore, when you and I accept Christ as Savior and the Holy Spirit comes in, we have now the capacity to love the same way God does. We have the ability to give the kind of fatherly love to those around us as a father has given us. The second thing is that love doesn't keep records. I was talking to a friend of mine just recently about my research because most of my research is about slaves and slave ships and so on, and so therefore you have to deal with you know, the, Dutch res the Dutch response to slavery and so on. And they said, well, how do you do that? How do you pastor a Christian Reformed church knowing the legacy of the Dutch heritage and not be upset? Well, it says Jesus. There's no way I could do it without God because I'd be mad all the time. I've been doing this for 25 years. I'd be always upset, and I'm too young to be upset all the time. <laughs> that was a joke. 
But the point is that there are things that could keep us on edge. And yet, if we submit to the love of God, if we're vulnerable to the movement of the Spirit, God can not only change our minds, but God changes our hearts. God can transform us like he did John Newton to people who understand the amazing grace that only comes from the love of God. And then finally, um, Paul says that love is patient. It waits. Love has the ability to recognize that someone's behind me. They're trying to get where I am. And my job is to paraclete with them, to, to hang in there until they catch up. I don't get upset because they're walking too slow. I wait or I'll go back and get them and bring them along in the process. That's what love does. Love recognizes that some people are slow. Some love recognizes that some people run away. And yet, I realize if I create the, create the kind of environment that is safe and protective, that eventually they will turn. Because that's how you and I got saved. We didn't get saved the moment God spoke to us. Some of us ran forever. Some of us are still running. Some of us just come to church because this is what we do on Sunday. We work Monday through Friday. We go to the lake on Saturday, and then we come here on Sunday. It's a routine. But the truth of the matter is, everything that we do ought to be connected to the fact that God loves us and has been gracious to us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we bless you for a love that is unconditional, a love that allows us to even turn it down, but because we turn it down, you don't turn it off, and we're grateful for that. So we pray that the presence and the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit will lead us, challenge us, guide us, convict us, change us, and then use us to bring you glory. We want you to know that there's nothing or no one greater than you, and we're grateful for it. So thank you for demonstrating your love for us through the sacrificial death of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand of praise. Won't you stand with me? Um, we are going to do the benediction, and um, one of the things, I, I teach a class on teaching teaching how to teach, and one of the things I've always taught my students is that when you got the mic, you're in control. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I have the mic. I'm in control. Why don't you grab the hand of the person standing next to you, please? Father, the hand that I hold is the hand of a survivor. I hold the hands of a brother and a sister in Christ. I am holding the hands of one of your children. And so as I squeeze my left hand gently, I squeeze faith and love and compassion into their life. I squeeze a reminder of the greatness of the God that we serve. And as I squeeze my right hand, I am reminded of the encouragement that the Savior sits at the right hand of the Father. And forever making intercession for me, I squeeze my right hand and I squeeze spiritual prosperity as well as financial prosperity. And as I squeeze both hands, I'm reminded that your hands hold my hands and my life is in your hands. I squeeze both hands and I'm reminded there's no circumstance or no situation that's too big for your hands, God. So I thank you for hands that have protected and hands that have watched over. The hands that shape and mold like a potter. For hands that remind me that I'm always safe 
as long as my hand is in your hand. So I bless you, and I thank you. As I go down from this place, I use these hands now to bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Why don't you grab the hand of two or three people before you leave? Let them know how much you love in the Lord. God bless you, and thanks for coming.